0: Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati, Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Head on over to the website, it's TravelingCulturati.com, and don't forget to join the Travel Club this year. 2023, we're going to Croatia for Advantage International's 25th anniversary. They sponsor the show. And we are going to have a celebratory grand time. We're going to cruise from Split to Croatia. It's gonna be replete with cooking classes, wine tasting, and Croatia has some fabulous food. It is a privately chartered small cruiser, AKA yacht, yes only 17 cabins on board so it's a very exclusive experience so you should come with we're gonna have a fantastic time July 28 to August 6 and then in September going to Greece Athens and Crete yes September 1st through the 9th. And the portion in Crete is going to be an all-inclusive experience. And, of course, seeing the sights of Greece. I just love Greece. It's just a fabulous place. Another food destination. Yes, that Mediterranean diet. I'm always in heaven, especially those lamb chops. Croatia, by the way, has Mediterranean cuisine as well. And wonderful lamb chops. Again, TravelingCulturati.com. And make sure you join in on the fun. Joining me today is healthcare professional Yolanda Como with another edition of Staying Healthy While You Travel. Spring is upon us, so this time we're tackling the impending allergy season. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report. But right now, we've got a little travel news. Have you heard of Afrofuturism? Well, the National Museum of African American History and Culture, they have the much anticipated exhibit on Afrofuturism, and it has already opened. Afrofuturism is a genre that centers black people in space or in a fantasy setting or in relation to technology that allows one to escape slavery and discrimination afrofuturism the genre can be tracked back to w.e.b du bois's writings in 1800s but it wasn't coined until the 1990s and it's having its moment and it's in the spotlight right now with recent movies literature and even the food scene sheree renee thomas a black science fiction writer and editor tells axios the genre imagines a futuristic world in which black cultures Thrive among evolving technology, social practices, and values. It's a very revolutionary thought in a lot of ways, particularly in American culture. The 4,000 square foot exhibit showcases more than 100 objects from music, television, comics, and a lot more. The history of black futures is the area that describes how enslaved people imagined their futures. Another area called the New Black Futures looks at Afrofuturism in the modern era. And Infinite Possibilities connects Afrofuturism to space, technology, digital activism, and popular media. You'll find highlights like Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther costume, Octavia Butler's typewriter, George Clinton's wig from Parliament Funkadelic, and Vernon Reed's guitar. There are some other items that you'll find, like Trayvon Martin's flight suit that he wore while he attended Experience Aviation, and the cape and jumpsuit worn by Andre DeShields from The Wiz on Broadway, a red suit top, with a black collar and a Star Trek logo on the breast can be found along with the Red Star Fleet uniform worn by Nichelle Nichols as Lieutenant Nyota Uhuru on Star Trek. Yes, all the Trekkies out there. American pop culture has been embraced in its recent years and we can look to movies like Black Panther, and also Coulson Whitehead's Afrofuturistic novel, The Underground Railroad, a story about a literal underground train system during slavery that won the 2017 Pulitzer Prize for fiction. And then there's New York City's Metropolitan Museum of Art that premiered an Afrofuturism exhibit in 2021. That exhibit, I hope they bring it back because it talks about what would the future have been if it were not for the destruction of so much black achievement in America. And then there's bronze, a hot DC restaurant that opened this year as an Afro futuristic theme. Yeah. So go ahead and check it out at the national museum of African American history and culture. You will find that of course, timed passes are going to be required still for the museum. Are you cruising? Well, Every cruise line has now a full fleet of ships on the water and they're dropping COVID restrictions and testing requirements. In July, 2022, the CDC also stopped tracking COVID cases on ships. As a result, the demand for cruises has really soared. So here's a list of some things that you won't be able to do on cruises anymore. Some started happening before the pandemic, but some have been since the pandemic or because of the pandemic. So the use of plastic straws is one that, again, has been going on, I think, since 2018, maybe even as early as 2017, where a few cruise ships started the practice and now more and more are. Just think about plastic straws. Around 420,000 people cruising at any given time, that means more than 2 million straws are used on cruise ships every day, which works out to 750 million straws every year. Think about that so these straws end up on beaches in the waters being digested or ingested by marine life and it's polluting the beaches worldwide so you might want to consider bringing your own reusable straws some have gone to paper straws consulting or having that paper daily planner you know how when you got back to the room you had this planner for the next day it'll tell you what your adventures were going to be or what was going to happen well now you're encouraged Download the Cruise Lines app. However, you know, if you still want that paper in your hand, you can go to the main desk and ask for a version of it. Cruising to nowhere, that's going to be a thing of the past, or maybe even already is. Remember those cruises to nowhere? You could go to the Bahamas but not get off the ship and not really dock anywhere. You just kind of went out to sea. Yeah. Well, they're doing away with those. However, you can do some very short term cruises like a three night where you do one stop. But yes, I think Homeland Security had an issue with cruises to nowhere, especially because most cruise ships are not registered in the United States. Drones are now forbidden. Yeah, had too many incidents there and you can be fined. Now, if you have a drone, you have to have a license to fly it. Yes, a pilot's license. And if you're traveling internationally, you have to really consider those international rules and laws. Another thing is contributing to over-tourism, big cruise lines. I mean, these are like cities at sea, really, when you think about the mega cruise ships today. And the whole tourism industry, we're really party to this over-tourism. And we have to be careful so that we don't really disrupt the law of nature in a lot of places, but the cruise lines are partnering with destinations so that they can stagger the number of visitors that are coming in. And talking about going back to the plastic straws, another do away about plastic is the single use plastic bottle. Consider those bottles of water that were being handed out or you had to purchase, and then they're thrown away. Of course, we try to recycle those, but that's not always the case. So the cruise lines are doing away with those single use bottles and they're coming up with refillable and recyclable paper cartons and refillable options as well. So you can bring on your own for refillable options, but they're also doing fully recyclable paper cartons that are with sugarcane based plastic caps in place of those single use bottles. So I really like that the cruise lines are tackling or being very sustainable in these areas or being more conscious. You can bring your own bottle and then fill it up too. And they're also doing away with a lot of those plastic shampoo and conditioner bottles as well. How about leaving your cabin lights on or your electricity going? I think a lot of hotels are starting to do this too in the United States. I mean, you see it in many Hotels in Europe and other destinations where you need your key card to activate the electricity in your room, and without it, everything shuts off. Well, the cruise lines are adopting that system as well. And here are some COVID related changes. You won't know that fellow passengers are vaccinated against COVID or not. That's no longer a requirement. Also, it's no longer a requirement for a negative COVID test either. Yeah. And one thing we got used to when cruise lines first started coming back since the pandemic is that we had fewer people on board. Well, now the cruise lines are going back to their policy of they have to have a certain capacity. And that means they have to be more than half full for a cruise to depart. So you'll find those changes, be prepared for them along with a lot of other changes and increased prices or fees and dining options and things like that. So you make sure that you really check out the website of the cruise line and really know what's included, what's not included and what some of those changes are. Now the summer is approaching and summer travel is also gearing up. This is really our first full year post-pandemic where it's just like everything goes, right? So everybody's really getting back into the full swing. And it's up by about 30% from previous years as well, even pre-pandemic. So the U.S. passport processing time is back up again. We had kind of lowered it a little bit. It's not back to what it was around the pandemic time but it is still a long process. So if you have some summer travel coming up and your passport is due for renewal or your passport has expired, the other thing you wanna check is to make sure you have enough pages and you have enough validity period because it's not just whether or not your passport has expired, but the validity period based on your destination will be a factor as well. So you can expect 10 to 13 weeks processing time, according to the State Department, and that's for regular processing. Expedited processing is on average seven to nine weeks. And of course, you can do emergency if you have travel coming up within 14 days and you need a new passport, or if you need a passport, or if you're traveling 28 days, if the destination requires a visa. So you wanna make sure that you're aware of that and give yourself plenty of time to get your passport back. You can go to travel.state.gov and get all of the information that you need for pricing, for processing, for hubs or facilities to apply and all of that. So again, travel.state.gov and just click on getting a passport. Well, the Essence Music Festival has released their headliners for the 2023 festival, which is coming up June 29 to July 3. Yes, it is celebrating 50 years of hip hop at the Essence Festival of Culture. Lauren Hill will be headlining, and she celebrates her 25th anniversary of her debut album, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Yes, remember, she won five Grammys, and that album will go down in history. Yes, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. It's in my playlist, and I love every single song. Also, you have Megan Thee Stallion, who will be there. And of course, you know, the experience is a four-day event. Also in celebration of the 50th anniversary of hip hop, you're going to have Dougie Fresh, Jermaine Dupree, and they're going to have a bunch of special friends with them and some great DJs like DJ Clark Kent, Kid Capri, and DJ Spinderella. So a lot of great things to look forward to such a great thing to celebrate because it was in one of the lyrics didn't think that hip-hop would make it this far but here it is 50 years later and it has seriously impacted the music industry and it's continuing to evolve well that's all i've got for travel news and when i come back Healthcare professional Yolanda Como is going to help us handle those springtime allergies that wreak havoc on us. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com. And while you're there, don't forget to join the travel club. Where are we going in 2023? Well, we're going to Croatia, a privately chartered boat. It's called a small cruiser, or I like to call it a yacht. 17 cabins on board. That's all. And we're already more than halfway sold out. So make sure that you sign up if you want to come. Croatia is a fantastic destination. Going from Split to Dubrovnik and stopping in between, seven-night journey, mostly inclusive. The food in Croatia is amazing. We are going July 28th through August 6th. So all you have to do is go to the website travelingculturati.com and sign up. We're having big fun because this is a celebratory cruise as well. Advantage International is turning 25, yes, and yours truly is turning, I'm just going to say, this is my diamond year. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. You can figure out the rest, (laughs) but we'll be celebrating and we would love for you to come and celebrate with, we are going to have a fabulous time. Again, TravelingCulturati.com, Croatia, July 28th through August 6th.
1: And now, Javon's Travel Minute.
0: America has a tipping culture, in my opinion, one that is out of control. Over the years, a standard tip has gone from 10% to 25% and more. And you are judged heavily if you tip on the lower end. When I travel to other countries that are not tipping cultures... I find myself tipping based on American standards. Then I see their reaction because it's a gesture that is over and above what is their norm. Now, at first, it makes you feel good because they're so appreciative. However, I've begun to notice that when others see Americans, they now expect us to tip greater than others. This means we have now conditioned the world to expect us to pay more. And this isn't just with tipping. It's just about with. Everything. When I'm traveling with people from other countries to other countries, I'm still charged more than everyone else or expected to tip more than others. Believe me, I've tested this theory. Food for thought. Remember the saying when in Rome, basically just do as locals do. Also, what you do, you leave behind for the next person. So I don't know about you, but I've definitely reached my tipping point. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. Back in the house today is Yolanda Como, our healthcare professional. Hello, Yolanda, and welcome back.
2: Hey, Javon, thank you. Glad to be back.
0: Certainly. So what's your take on this tipping culture thing?
2: <laughs> when I was listening to you, I was laughing. i to myself, of course. But yeah, it is a bit much. I went to dinner the other night, and I was like, wow, that's a big tip. And you're right. They do. They give you those suggestions at the bottom of the receipt starting at 20 percent. Yeah. Not even 15. It was 15, 18 or 10 percent, but now it's 20 percent. Yeah. Minimum. The high end is now the low end. Yeah. And anything
0: else is frowned upon. And the service doesn't always match the tip. But yet you're kind of guilted into doing this. And (laughs) it's no longer a tip. It's a salary. And it really is getting out of hand. And I just noticed traveling to other places, it's not so much expected, but they're now beginning to expect it from Americans because they know that it is our culture. But I find it in shops. I'm not talking about shops that have set pricing. I'm talking about those bazaars and things like that they see us coming a mile away and they start with this very high price. So I always chop it in half because I know that they have bumped it up. But I've been with other travel professionals who are from other countries and their price doesn't start as high as our price does. And so what that means is that even if I'm paying a lower price, because I have bargained with them, Mm -hmm. I'm still paying higher than a colleague of mine has because they're from a different country so yeah it's a bit disheartening I'm so over because now it just gets to a point where it's not fun <laughs> 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 and you don't even even right. feel good about doing it you feel
2: obligated and yeah it's not a good feeling I have to agree actually I was a little mad because the only reason why I did pay the extra was the person I was with they were like well I think you should do this amount I was just kind of giving them <laughs> an eye, like uh, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, what can be done? Is there anything that can be done?
0: I don't know. I do think that consumers in America—the only way that we can see that change is if we really kind of protest, band together. but to band together and protest. But see, here you're saying that you're feeling peer pressure, right? And I will say that I've been a bit guilty of that myself, but. When I think that the service has been above and beyond, but I think that together as a table, you should kind of decide how you're going to tip. And again, it's not an obligation and that it's become that. And I've noticed since the pandemic, that's when it has gone up another notch to 25 and in some cases, 28%. And even here in Chicago, some restaurants are tagging on an extra three to 5%, and they will tell you it's so that we can provide healthcare service. When did I become the employer for service workers? It's really getting out of control. Maybe we can advocate and petition, but it's a deeply rooted culture I don't know how we can change it. But
2: these it. are some of the things that, not to talk about politics, but some of the things that President Biden is trying to write a bill for. Whatever you got to be charged for, you should know these things up right. front. Like you paying extra because you bring your child on the plane instead of- For good. seat assignments Exactly, to Or you get your bill for your credit card shows an extra service charge. Service charge when I went to the restaurant today. And this is to go order. So why am I getting charged a service charge? There are service charges for (laughs)
0: everything that you do. And and we are just being nickeled and dimed. Plus, plus, everything is a plus, 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 which is even for me doing groups when I get the hotel contract and they quote you the rate. I'm like, but what are the plus pluses? Then it's like, oh, there's a city tax. There is a government tax, countrywide then there is, you know, the porterage fee, then there's the housekeeping fee, and it's just a long list of fees that you're adding into this price. And it's like, okay, so the room rate is no longer $300 a night. It's 350 a night or 400 a night when you calculate all of the extra fees in there. But yeah, maybe together just kind of petition that because it is really getting out of control. Mm -hmm. And it's a culture shock for a lot of people who are coming to America for the first time because in other places, the price you're quoted includes the tax. It includes service. It includes all of these things. Even like our sales tax is quoted separately. It's not on the tag. But in other countries, the tag price includes the taxes, so it is a big culture shock for people coming to America, and it's like, how do you manage what you're paying? Because right, because you know, they
2: budget when they're traveling, right. they have it in their budget of what they're going to spend right. during their travels. But we're they, just conditioned
0: but- for the plus pluses,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but what does it really cost? That's yeah, our what question. Does it really cost? Yeah. Wow. Well, as you know, when Yolanda is here as our healthcare professional, we're talking about staying healthy while you travel. And since spring is upon us, yes, it is here. One thing we have to contend with is allergy season. So what do we do, Yolanda? What are we talking about when we say seasonal allergies?
2: Seasonal allergies is when you feel that sneeze or cough coming on. And during these times, spring, summer, winter, and fall, most people will have some environmental allergies coming upon them.
0: Now, allergy
2: season, is it just for the spring? When does it start and end? It's all year. All the seasons—spring, summer, winter, and fall—depending on the time of the month, your body would feel different. Mm-hmm. You start sneezing, coughing, watery eyes. But a lot of times, it's because—and it's definitely in the spring because the trees are budding, but flowers. What dates are, are we talking about? Uh, well, spring—you want to look around mid March to June, mid June, mm-hmm. summer June, mid summer, mid June through September, and fall end of September through December, and the winter starts around late December through mid-March. And what are these
0: common symptoms that we're talking about?
2: So as I said, some people experience some congestion. I hear it all the time. I have a lot of family members who suffer from, I didn't realize until, you know, I decided to discuss this topic mm-hmm. that suffer with seasonal allergies and congestion and sneezing itchy eyes watery eyes my spouse always talks about his sinuses but you know i hear people saying my allergies are bothering me and you know what i really didn't know what all that truly truly meant i mean because i don't (laughs) suffer from any of it to be honest with you but post-nasal drips and you probably can feel it from being fatigued lots of coughing lots of coughing sneezing Some people are sneezing. It's not productive. You're not coughing up anything. You will feel congested. So yeah, some people see a physician about it regularly.
0: I can't say that I am a regular sufferer. However, I have had on occasion a thing or two, depending on where I am, or maybe it's just heavily pollinated in the air or something at one time or another, but it's not something that I suffer with regularly. However, I sometimes come upon people who are very congested, they're coughing and they're sneezing, and the look on their face, you can tell when someone's not feeling well. How do we know it's allergies and not the cold or the flu, especially now? The flu now takes on a whole different meaning. So how Mm -hmm. do we know? as a sufferer even, between that allergy versus a cold or flu?
2: Well, a lot of times, a person who does suffer with allergies, they know if it's an allergy or if they're just not feeling well because they're Mm -hmm. catching a cold or have the flu. But, if you want to have proof of it all, definitely you can see your physician about it and say, hey, what's happening? Mm-hmm. So the symptoms flu- are the same? Yeah, you have the runny eyes, the sneezing, mm-hmm. the coughing. Most of them are the same. You don't have the sore throat or anything, but it's always a lot of nasal issues. Mm-hmm. That's because when things are pollinating and the pollen is in the air, it is trapped into your nasal passages. There's a lot of sneezing, a lot of runny noses, and it can go up into your sinuses and cause you to have itchy eyes and runny eyes. Mm-hmm. And so
0: what is it causing inside your body? Is it inflammation or what exactly right, is happening? It's
2: definitely. It's inflammation. Your body immune system is rejecting or knows something it's foreign, yeah. yeah, something foreign is happening. You come in contact with something, and it's just really irritating the body, yeah. So it sounds like your body's trying to expel it, like yeah. whatever's happening, whatever, get rid right? Of and that's this. why you're sneezing, <laughs> that's why you're coughing, that's right. why you have the runny noses and stuff.
0: Why do I feel like I want to sneeze now that <laughs> we're talking about it? I think it's just because we're talking about it now. When you're talking about the different seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter are there different allergies based on the different season
2: there are different allergies but they are similar as well i'm saying that because most of the time you hear people saying their hay fevers are bothering them the spring definitely when hay fevers begin to flare up for a lot of people i remember my brother always talking about oh my hay fever is coming on depending on when the weather is changing and what type of weather there is that's when the different trees when they're pollinating. If it's rainy season, that's carrying the pollen to and from in the environment. Windy days, the little critters are pollinating the plants and the trees and the trees are dropping their seeds and they're getting carried into the air. All of that is irritating, flying around into the air, which is irritating on uh, once environment
0: all right so tell us the difference between spring versus summer versus fall and winter allergies
2: well allergies that occur in the spring can be anything like hay fever right nose related allergy symptoms pollens triggering these allergies the person's immune system is overreacting it reacts to anything that's otherwise harmless to the substance of the allergen and, and
0: so how does that differ from summer
2: well summer is kind of similar to the spring It's definitely hay fever that these allergens are triggering. I know you've seen it, the plants that's carrying powder-like substance in the summer, a lot of that is happening and that powder is floating into the air. Right. And if it's a windy and wet spring or summer, that's when people's allergies really flare up. Yeah. Because in the spring,
0: we know, they say April
2: showers bring spring, May, May flowers, flowers. but
0: yes. you know, in the spring, that's when things are blooming and growing and all of that. But in the summer, things are here. So how is that differing from summer? Is it a different time in the plant's life?
2: Well, it could be a different time in the plant's life also. And even in the dry seasons, stuff is flared off. In the summer, you get the wind too. Wind is your culprit. Wind is what's carrying all of these allergens into the air. Mm-hmm. okay it can affect many people in fact depending on you your immune system your body system if it's irritating you mm-hmm. so yeah i mean that's how it's being transported throughout the season right And what earth. about
0: the fall how is that then going to differ from the summer Cause well we're in a different season now
2: once again the trees they begin to change they're dropping their leaves mm-hmm. they're dropping buds into the soil and we do get rainy season in the fall and also windy and all of that gets carried into the air as well. Ragweed. Yeah, that one
0: gets me. Coming from Washington, D.C., we have a lot of ragweed there. Mm -hmm. Some seasons worse than others, but yeah.
2: And the cottonwood trees. You're asking about the summer. You see the little Mm -hmm. white cotton substance flying in the air. That comes from the cottonwood trees. And, you know, if you're living in the Midwest, a lot of that is flying. You know what's getting ready to happen. I mean, I hear people say, oh, my God, I see all the pollen flying around. I know it's really going to bother me today.
0: A lot of times we think we're safe in the winter, but there's winter seasonal allergies as well.
2: Yes. So basically in the winter, you have the mild winter. If there's mild winter temperatures, this can cause plants to pollinate early. A rainy spring can also promote rapid plant growth and lead to an increase in mold causing symptoms to last well into the fall and winter. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we never really think about the winter, but I guess you know it's a different stage in plants and flowers and trees and all of that. I mean there are different things that you can be allergic to. I know for me more like rainy seasons will affect me more than spring. I'm rarely affected by the spring, but I can more so be in the fall, especially if it's raining a lot.
2: Uh, yeah, I was going to say if it's raining, as I said, if the winters are mild, we had a lot of rain this winter. Mm-hmm. So, and we had we a relatively mild, mild winter too. Yes, we did.
0: Yeah, could be why I'm suffering a little bit. Or just this conversation is making me want to sneeze. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what about treatment of seasonal allergies? Do we treat them the same? You know, what do we do?
2: So allergy sufferers, they know what they need. They do over-the-counters antihistamines without saying a brand, you know, Benadryl, Dydrohyferamine. If they're regular chronic sufferers, they may see their doctor who may write for steroids, low doses of those. And also, chronic allergy sufferers, they always get ready for it. They know that antihistamines, they need that. And g because a lot of times you are congestive once your allergies begin to flare up. And the coughing, you can do over-the-counter cough medications banadryl you can see your doctor thinking write an anti-inflammatory like steroidals on low doses of that so it can help suppress coughs and itchiness and stuffy runny noses and keep your eyes from watering so much and also eye drops stay hydrated all those things can help treat the allergies now what about the seasonal
0: airborne allergens
2: yeah so you can work with your doctor and you can you probably prescribe some nose sprays to improve your nasal symptoms. And also, the specialized care, they probably recommend an allergy immunotherapy like subcutaneous injections and also sublingual immunotherapy where they give you like drops under your tongue. Okay, I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's,
0: let's talk about what that is in layman terms.
2: Yeah, so the subcutaneous injections, what they do is they inject anti allergens in liquid form it's subcontaining it's just under the skin and that helps to relax the system so you can tolerate any allergens during the season but the sublingual is anything under the tongue so they can put little anti allergen drops under the tongue okay okay and it absorbs through the mucosals of your mouth
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. And what about strategies to avoid triggers? You know, because it's one thing to deal with the symptoms once you get them. But can we avoid it or do we just wait for it to happen and deal with it?
2: Well, you can't avoid it, but you can look out for it and prepare yourself for when Mm -hmm. it's going to happen. So I don't know if you still watch the evening news at all. Even the afternoon news, they're always talking about the pollen levels Mm -hmm. for the day. So that should give you an idea how you should prepare your day if you are going out, if you're going to do your daily shopping or whatever you're going to be doing for the day. And you can prepare yourself for tackling all the pollen that's going to be in the environment so you can be able to tolerate it. Yeah.
0: And I would say that I do know that they do that, but I can't say that I pay a lot of. No, I understand it. Mm -hmm. I just haven't paid a lot of attention to it. So in that case, are there blockers that you can take?
2: I don't know if there are blockers that you can take, but one thing that you can do, if they're telling you about the different pollen levels, also you should just be focusing on, you know, when they're telling you how fast the wind is blowing and what direction, that can give you an idea how it's gonna affect you for the day as well. Mm -hmm. And so what are some
0: strategies though that you can at least minimize, if not completely avoid?
2: Well, if you're at home and you know you're gonna be at home when it's a pretty bad day with allergens, You probably should keep your windows nice and shut. Also, if you're driving, keep your windows up. You can't put the air on, but try not to put it on as in circulation, that Mm -hmm. air to be circulating within the car take showers if it's really affecting you wash your hair change your clothes as often as you can because especially Getting if you've gone out of yeah you. especially yeah. you've gone out because you just bring it in and try mm-hmm. not to like bring it throughout the house either you maybe just want to get rid of it in the mud room and you know some people that i know they wear their mask if they're out and they're gardening or well, you shouldn't be gardening if it's really a bad day but if you are out there, wear your mask. Mm-hmm. I see guys out there with respirators on when they're even mowing the lawn. All right.
0: Now, how do we prepare when we're traveling? I mean, because we know we're going to deal with some at home, but also seasonal allergies are going to affect you wherever you go. So how do we prepare when we're traveling?
2: Definitely pack your over-the-counter meds. Mm-hmm. As we talked about the D, congestives, and your digerhypermine, your Benadryls. If there are injections. So like c- antihistamines. Antihistamines, yes. And if you're are getting those injections. Like I said, the injections are just under the skin. And so you would something that it, you can how take. How far in
0: advance would you need to do that if you're going to the doctor and preparing for your trip?
2: You can go at any point. I mean, you could just maybe two weeks prior or even okay. a month prior, just so you'll be prepared, giving your prescription so you can get your injections or even the little drops. So yeah, maybe a, a couple of weeks prior. So more prior.
0: severe allergies, you may need prescription meds, but over-the-counters counters will counters typically t- help.
2: Right. And I would tell you too to pick up some eye drops some natural teardrops Mm -hmm. you don't know if you're traveling abroad if the environment is going to be affecting you at all like dusty or just very pollutant so right. it can bother your eyes as well. Yeah.
0: And even though I'm not always affected by it, well, we've talked about that RX bag. And it's oh, one yeah. of the things that I keep in my RX bag, which is an antihistamine. It's one of the things that I keep on the list because you never know what you're going to you encounter know. and how it's going to affect you. But how about checking out the destination before you go? What should you look for?
2: Right. It's the same thing as what I said earlier about checking the pollen count. For those different days. A lot of times when I'm gonna take a trip, I usually go onto the website or Google and say a ten day forecast for whatever area that I'm going to. You should be able to do that for it abroad as well and see what the pollen count is like ten days in advance, what it looks like for the rest of the week that I'm gonna be at that destination.
0: Well great. As usual, thank you so much for joining us today and keeping us healthy while we travel with some great information as we are now in the spring season. When I come back, I'll have the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website. It's TravelingCulturati.com. And while you're there, make sure you follow us on social media and don't forget to join that travel club. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born of the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. And joining me today to talk about a fabulous event is Diana Mayhew, Executive Director of the National Cherry Blossom Festival in Washington, D.C. Well, hello, Diana, and welcome to Traveling Culturati.
1: Hi, thank you, Javon, for having us. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, I'm originally from
0: Washington, D.C., And so I know that the city is always abuzz with the National Cherry Blossom Festival. And we anticipate it every year, even though, you know, it changes from here to there, some of the dates. And I know that we're currently underway, but we still have some more time to celebrate and witness the cherry blossoms in Washington, D.C. So tell us the brief history of the cherry blossoms and the festival.
1: So, as many people probably know, that in 1912, more than 3,000 cherry trees were given from the mayor of Tokyo to Washington, D.C., and since then, it's 111 years later, we're still celebrating that amazing gift, and it has now turned into one of the most fantastic celebrations of spring, and each year, the festival begins on the first day of spring, March 20th, and... We always wonder, how is it going to coincide? It will coincide. How will it coincide with the peak blooming and just the general blooming of the festival? And This year, the peak is early on the early side, but the blossoms are still out. They're still beautiful. We're hoping to get at least another good week. But the festival itself will continue all the way through to April 16th.
0: Oh, wow. So it certainly gives us plenty of time, whether the trees cooperate with us or not. (laughs) I know that was always an annual anticipation. Will the trees bloom during the festival? But the festival still happens whether they do or don't, because they will eventually bloom.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of our key missions is to take this amazing celebration beyond the Tidal Basin and the cherry trees to throughout D.C., the entire community through surrounding areas, as well as through the region. Now, this is the National Cherry Blossom Festival. And so
0: the country can really rally around the festival itself. So how does the city rally around the festival? What kind of things can we expect during those three weeks?
1: So the National Cherry Blossom Festival does unite the community, the business community, the residents. We have hundreds of businesses that participate with blossom decals, decor, on the the business fronts, but also the restaurants, more than 100 restaurants participate in our cherry picks, bringing together spring-inspired entrees, desserts, cocktails. We have a cherry night where the nightclubs, everybody wears pink and goes out on Friday, March 31st. Sports teams, I don't know if you know here, the Wizards, the Nationals, and now DC United all have cherry blossom uniforms as a specialty uniform that they wear once in a while. So everyone gets on board to be part of this fabulous celebration. And it's now expanded into Maryland and Virginia With different areas, Tyson's Corner and Springfield and National Landing, which is right here adjacent to the city and now the new H2 headquarters of Amazon. So we are tying everyone in together and those people out in Virginia are saying take Metro and come back into the city and celebrate right here with just so many fabulous things to do.
0: And yes, so as you're saying that, I don't know when it started, but some years back, we started calling it the DMV, DC, Maryland, Virginia. So, so many things are celebrated in all three of those destinations because of close proximity. So, I'm actually happy that they kind of named the area the DMV to bring the three together because they are so close to one another. Now, I understand this year you have a celebrated artist. Is this an annual designation where there is an artist that is celebrated for the Cherry Blossom Festival, or is that just for this year?
1: No, each year, the National Cherry Blossom Festival does invite an artist to create the official artwork. And this year, yes, it is just so spectacular that we have Orlando Cuevo. And he's from Florida, I believe, right now. And he created this beautiful artwork. You can go into nationalcherryblossomfestival.org. You can go to the merchandise page. Some of our merchandise is created around the artwork. But we celebrate an official poster each year.
0: And what kind of installations can we see around the city that tie into the Cherry Blossom Festival?
1: We have art throughout the city. We actually have this poster has created a beautiful artwork, big frame where you actually go to several events and step into the frame and just take your picture there. We have In Macy's Windows, using this as a focal point, there's student poster art that we have made to create a beautiful display of over 100 entries from the local D.C. students. So we, again, bring art into all of this as well.
0: I don't see how you can't bring art into it because it is such a beautiful thing and it just kind of promotes having art surrounding the festival and capturing that beauty. Any other special events coming up?
1: Yes. First of all, this weekend there's lots and lots of things to do. We suggest that people go to the National Cherry Blossom Festival dot org. Website. This weekend is mostly the smaller events, the regional events. We have next week on Saturday, April 8th, is our big pedal palooza down at the Capitol Riverfront where there's music all day, art activities, fireworks. Our official fireworks is Saturday, April 8th. And our finale on the finale weekend, Saturday, April 15th, is the National Cherry Blossom Festival Parade, which is brought to you by Events DC and then Following the parade, the Sakura Matsuri Festival, it's a street festival, Japanese street festival presented with the Japan America Society with the taste the sounds, just enjoyment of Japan on Saturday and Sunday. And that wraps up the week.
0: It all sounds so wonderful. And I just know it's always a festive time and uh, rallying around spring and then all of the other events, especially the parade. I do remember the parade as a child and going down to D.C. and witnessing that. What about getting in and around the city when the festival is happening as well as the parade?
1: What should one know? absolutely recommend to people to take Metro. It is very difficult to get around the tidal basin while these trees are in full bloom. And so if you really want to enjoy it, take Metro. Metro is doing a great job of moving people this weekend. We had more people at our Blossom Kite Festival than I think we have ever had because of the culmination of the cherry blossoms blooming the expanded Blossom Kite Festival programming and such a beautiful day that hundreds of thousands of people were down here. And, and those that took Metro, you know, they had free parking on the weekends and $2 fare each way. And so they're making it easy, but others in the car were slow going. So we always recommend to take Metro. It's so much more enjoyable. And, you know, those of you who are traveling also, we partner with NARS Pet Care and Hilton there are two key partners to bring your pets because we are a pet-friendly festival and have paws and Petals programs. Hilton, who is our hotel provider, they actually have lots of pet-friendly hotels. You can look and see what brands those are. But this weekend, we're having a yappy hour at the Embassy Suites, and there's going to be special doggy cocktails and people cocktails, and they're doing a one-time swim in the pool with the dog. So, If you're traveling, don't leave your four-legged friend behind.
0: Oh, how sweet. Paws and petals. I absolutely love that. But you brought up something else that I thought, ah, is there a cocktail for the
1: Cherry Blossom Festival? Yes, I think they're actually announcing it soon, the official cocktail, that there was a tasting. And that will be announced soon. You can go onto the National Cherry Blossom Festival website to see what that is as well. Uh, I'm
0: sure it'll be pink. (laughs)
1: National Cherry Blossom Festival. Yes, definitely. NationalCherryBlossomFestival.org. You can get all of the information. If you're a subscriber, you can get lots of the hot information right off the bat. And then even next year, when when you're waiting to what the blooming announcement will be, you can be the first to know.
0: Fantastic. So again, that is NationalCherryBlossomFestival.org, where you can get all of your information. What about those that may not be able to make it in? Is there a virtual presence that we can witness?
1: Oh, definitely. We have three dimensions for this festival. Of course, one of them for sure is virtual and you can go onto the festival's website and you can see all of our different handles, Cherry Bloss Fest, and just follow us, Send your pictures. Even if you're not coming, send your favorite pictures. There's ways to participate. There's just lots of ways to stay connected.
0: I see. Yeah, I just went to the site and I see that there is a link called Bloom Watch so that you can check out some things there and so many other wonderful connections that I see on your website there. So that's a
1: real time. You can watch the blossoms and see how they are, what stage of blooming at any time, the day or night. Yeah, I'm looking at that now through
0: the earth cam and I can see folks walking around the tidal basin. And are those cherry blossoms that line the Martin Luther King yes. uh, Memorial, because I've been there when they've been in bloom and it's just absolutely breathtaking.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And to see his statue standing there well above. There's about 115 blossom trees right around him. Fantastic. And I see that some are already blooming. So I can't wait till they're in full bloom. So again, let's have the website one more time.
1: Nationalcherryblossomfestival.org.
0: Well, Diana, thank you so much for joining me today. What a pleasure. And I'm going to tell my family who's there in DC to get out and see the festival and And the bloom. Bring it on. (laughs) Join us. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. Thank you.